Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, our last episode of 2018. I am Ben Rothenberg, joined once again by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Courtney, remember when this season started? A very long time I ago? I barely, barely remember when that happened, but I do remember, obviously, kicking it off with you in Brisbane nearly, yeah. you know, 12 months ago. Um, and we're about 10 days, and, or I guess seven, six days until we board six, seven days until we board planes again. Yeah, twenty seventh uh, for me. So yeah. two days after Christmas. That's seven days away as of when we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our remember when episode in which we backtrack through the uh, year that was twenty eighteen, which sort of started as like a little like I think fairly organically as a segment on this show. I know there's like some good NCR historians um, out there who like know every one of our episodes by number and, <laughs> and length and could tell you the timestamp when we first used the phrase remember when but absolute and heroes we, and we actually did record <laughs> and remember when last year which is one of the two episodes we've done in the last 12 months that was like so long that it broke my computer and never got published so this one we'll try to keep shorter but still fun or break into pieces if need be but there was a lot to remember and going through, I went through my Twitter a little bit um, to try to make up a list. And I did some, I think you did too, Courtney, do some prep for this episode, which we don't necessarily normally do formally. We're adults now. I don't know. I remember know. when we weren't? But there's okay. there's a lot there's a lot of things. And like, I think I just remember so many more things from the beginning of the year. So I'm, I'm fearing this episode will be front loaded, which reminds me of like, I was cleaning out parts of my parents' basement. Uh, when I, they had a flood this summer, remember when that happened? And I had all these, found all these old college notebooks, which all had like fairly diligent notes for the first like you know four days <laughs> yes. of class, and then just like fade out. <laughs> it's so eighty percent of them is empty. Like that's how my memory works. So you look at a lot of Brisbane, a pretty good amount of Australia, and then good luck, you know, trying to cheat off others for the rest of the semester. Well, but that's not that's that how, I cheated, but you no, know. but that that's how memory works, right? I mean, yeah. we remember that which feels new which yeah. is surprising, which is shocking, which is whatever that gets some sort of um, reaction from you. And chances are, for the most part, by the time you hit, you know, June, July, August, um, you feel like you have seen everything. Um, mm -hmm. And some seasons are definitely different. Some seasons are definitely completely wacky and you know, there's something kind of different going all the time. And maybe there's arguments to say that there that this season was that as well. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of arguments that's actually maybe it wasn't. So obviously we'll go through that. But I but I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, every year, New Year's resolution, Ben, you know how much I love a good planner. Oh yeah. I love I love a calendar book. Big fan. Have a very specific one that I buy every year. And like, dude, first four days, amazing. <laughs> After that, nada. I remember like, there was one year. I basically use it for like scrap paper. I remember there was one year where you had like some app that was like, oh, record like 10 seconds of video a day every day. And like, I'm sure it went really well through the first week of January. Ben, that was and this then... year. <laughs> How'd that go? How long did that last? Um, Let's see. When I'm pulling it up. Yes. At the start of the year. And I was really good for, I think, about six months. Okay. It's, oh, um, that's really good. Yeah, actually. it was really good. It's called One Second Every Day. Um, and you just like pull out your camera and you take one second of video or a photo every day. Um, and I haven't done one since 
scrolling, scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. Oh, the last one that I did was Saturday, June 23rd. Okay. So almost halfway through the year. Yeah, but up until then, it was pretty good. And what did what was my last thing? Oh, no, so sad. So Ju- Saturday, June 23rd was the last time that I posted on One Second Every Day. And the post from that was a text exchange that I had with my father about Tony Cruz's goal. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And clearly and Germany got the fact that, right? and then, yes, clearly Germany got eliminated. I just didn't care about this app anymore. There but up go. until then, I was like 90% success rate, I have to say. I think I think your German roots would celebrate your nihilism at that point, <laughs> being like, why do we care anymore? It's it's great. It's not coming so, home. <laughs> oh, remember when it was coming remember, home? We'll get, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because, oh, I have some, I have some memories. <laughs> All right. So let's dive right in. Brisbane was our first. We both started the year in Brisbane uh, last year. My biggest memory, and I have a couple... First, I remember trying to be really diligent, like, and this is, again, like, you know, new school supply eagerness, like, trying to interview lots of players who had just finished qualies, and one of them who qualified for Brisbane was Alexandra Sasnovich, who I'd never spoken to before, and who was a delight, and just made my first week of the year so delightful. She was this, like, oddly philosophical person, I can even throw in some audio from her here, she said a lot of things about you know, the ball, things that can happen in tennis. <laughs> about the ball. And, you know what I mean? You know the quote I'm No, I know to. the quote you're talking about. And so, 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 so here's an early audio treat for you. Here is Alexandra Sasnovich. I think everyone can beat everyone. It's tennis, you know? The ball is round. And all day, it's a new day. Like, each day, it's a new day. And everything can happen. Yeah, of course, I finish this tournament. Um, and then I go to play to Melbourne. So I have some time, like maybe uh, one one week to prepare. So I have time to relax, to go shopping, of course, <laughs> yeah. to spend my money. Not all, but a little, you know. <laughs> yeah. So just, uh, I I love tennis. I love this life. But yeah, she was a delight, and she was just sort of odd and quirky in a way that made me very happy and started the year off on a very good foot for me. So she's my first my first Brisbane remember one. Remember when she made the final of that tournament? As a qualifier, out of nowhere, and backed it up pretty well for the rest of the year. I mean, she made a Fed Cup final right before that. Yeah. Um, Lost to Vitalina in the final. She had a heck of a season. She's the one that knocked out Petra from from Wimbledon, Wimbledon. which was a big one. Um, That was a shocker. Yeah, it was a shocker. And at the same time, it wasn't. I don't know. It was kind of one of those weird Petra results. Um, But I remember you tweeting Sasnovich facts. Yes. There was like a daily Alexander Sasnovich fact of the day. What was your favorite Sasno fact? Um, I, so I, I kept thinking I need to go back because I talked to her several times during the tournament. Um, cause I was, you guys I was were hooked. besties. We, we were besties. I was hooked at So I got a bunch more. I remember she has like a green belt in Taekwondo, I want to say. I believe it. I remember the mushroom risotto. Yeah, she really liked mushroom risotto. That was her, that was her punchline. She brought that joke back at, at Wimbledon for those of us who she remember did. it. Was, <laughs> it was adorable. Um, it was, was very great. 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Like, Dustin like, off very, an old joke. <laughs> very uh, like Arrested Development, actually. Just like recurring yeah. like weird things. Yeah, so she, she was cool. And uh, yeah, she had a solid year. And, and she remember when she got double bageled by Osaka, the US Open, by the way. That's right. Make this non-chronological completely. But she had, she had a year. And she was an interesting character who... It's just sort of someone who I now know after having never, you know, um, spoken to her before and probably having been intimidated by her odd spelling of Alexandra, thinking that she was something, you know, 
more exotic than she would be somehow impenetrable with all these vowels in places I'm not used to them being. She was great, and, and now she's a, a value add anytime I see her in a draw or an order of play, and somebody who I know I can talk to and just have a nice time talking to. She also had the nicest things to say. She lost, she beat first round of um, uh, Australian Open, uh, Lucic Baroni. And she had, like, the nicest yeah. things about Lucic Baroni. I don't know if you remember, we were there for that, but it was just like, I just want to say, like, this lady is cool. Yeah. And I've always thought she's awesome. And Lucius Peroni kind of did go away this year. Um, but we agree with Sasnovich on this. She is cool. Lucius Peroni. And just a cool lady. Cool lady. That she knows that. Yeah. A cool, a cool couple of ladies. But uh, yeah, I had her dad there, Sasnovich, coaching her. I mean, she, it was just a whole thing. And, and she was kind of really the story of Brisbane, uh, even though at the end of the day, it was Alina Svitolina who won the first tournament of the of the season and would eventually, if you don't count Zhuhai, win the last tournament of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, Brisbane was always, always a nice place to start. Um, my remember when from Brisbane mm-hmm. is remember when... Grigor Dimitrov got Titanic'd. Yo, oh my gosh. This was so exciting to me. Like, I was obsessed with this. I assume we're talking about the same guys, moment. I hope you guys can hear the pan flutes. <laughs> but yeah, so, go ahead. So ben. I like, so I like, so Grigor Dimitrov is playing in his quarterfinal match of Brisbane against Kyle Edmund. And Kyle Edmund, like, late in the third set, like, kind of five all on the third ish or five four in the third, something like that. Kyle Edmund, like, twists his ankle and goes down. And Grigor, <laughs> Grigor, and I, you said Titanic, which is also correct, and I'm sure someone did do that. Um, but what I did, what I immediately thought of, and, like, literally, like, downloaded video software that was more advanced oh than what gosh, I had. Oh, my gosh, I remember so, this. Yes, you so worked on So that I could make so a video. Hard. I yeah. was like, this is, like, I need to do this. And I spliced it together. So, basically, Grigor sees Kyle go down, springs into action, and, like, runs, like, long strides and leaps, hurtling over the net like a graceful steeplechase horse. And runs over to Kyle, who's like, why, why are you here? So like within, <laughs> within four seconds, it was just like, I don't know if he appreciated it, but it was sort of like, I don't know what Kyle was thinking, but it was just so funny. And I spliced it together with uh, with the Mrs. Doubtfire clip. That's right. Mrs. Doubtfire running across the restaurant saying, help is on the way, or whatever, uh, <laughs> trying to give Pierce Brosnan the Heimlich. This is the thing. The first week of the year, we're just so excited. I know we have a lot We're of energy. We're just so excited to like be back into the swing of things, and even the smallest things. But yes, the 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 Titanic cut of that Dimitrov clip, which I'll try and track. I'll I'll track down. I'll search for it and find it, and we'll retweet it from the NCR account. But it just it gave me such joy, and Brisbane in general gave me such joy. We was introduced to Alex Deminer, and my oh, famous yeah. sprinkler gif, which mm-hmm. I love of Alex Deminer. Um, but he would end up obviously finishing the season and, and being the, the ATP newcomer of the year and, um, and yeah, being the winner was incredible. great. The winner made the semis in, in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was great and, um, that was fun. So yeah, it was great. And remember when a top five player sang happy birthday to me because of you in Brisbane. Yes, I do. The champion. The champion. Alina yeah, Svitolina. I was doing an interview with, with uh, we were both doing post-final interviews with her, and I told her that it was your birthday, because it was your birthday, and she, like, and she had been, like, <laughs> not very chatty, or not in, like, a very chipper mood that night, for whatever reason, after winning the tournament, but she just, like, lit up at the news of your birthday, she's this big rendition from her, and I'm telling you, you the first week of the season, serenaded. I know. everyone has extra energy. 
remember um, the next day when uh, there was a final of, do you remember what the men's final was of that tournament? Uh, it's not that remember. I will tell you though. You'll remember when, when I say Curious Harrison? Yes, Curious Harrison. Yes. <laughs> and they spent like the couple, like the day before, like Harrison very vehemently and Curious kind of barely pretending that they liked each other um, because that is a long running, just like existential beef in men's tennis in terms of people coming at this world from different directions. Um, oh, and Kira, me Kira, Kira, you're making me remember when Rome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we know that story. I don't know if we told, we probably won't tell, tell that story, but okay, well, well, if you want to, that's your story. No, 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 it's it. not, it's fine. They were just, it was a whole, Ryan tried to reconcile and Nick was just he wasn't not having it he just was like okay whatever bro <laughs> like later. he was full he was fully not having it but yeah. um but I remember curious I said something like do you expect there to be anything you know you know extra you know tension this match or whatever and he said like I don't know why there'd be tension I mean I'm, I don't think he's ever won more than three games in a set off of me so no I do remember <laughs> just that like, just tremendous shade from Nick Kyrgios who won who won that tournament and was off to a really good start in the year and had a really kind of um solid start to australia he got a lot of like a lot of pluck credit in melbourne he lost he made the third or fourth round and lost to grigor yeah and uh fourth round i think yeah because grigor was a top god grigor was a top seed back then uh and uh and he got like a lot of credit for that and then he didn't really do much the whole rest of the year it was kind of playing through injury and playing probably when he shouldn't have been and taking not taking enough breaks to heal and his year was kind of a mess but uh that paved the way for Alex Deminer to be the Australian year number one, I believe. Wait, so. Alex Deminer is year number one? I think so. Let me check. Let me check on that. I think he is. And I think that Kyrgios is, like, not even number two. I think that Millman is ahead of him, maybe. Wow. Um, Millman, who also had, like, match points against Grigor first round at Brisbane. That's right. Oh, and they love them some John Millman in Brisbane. Uh, yes, He's a gold coast yeah. boy. And, like, every transport driver and every volunteer – will talk your ear off as to how lovely and nice of a guy John Millman is, which is absolutely 100% true. Absolutely true. It like, re- it's he really is. absolutely true. So we, we, we stand some John Millman, which remember, will become relevant later in the year. Remember when John Millman did that thing with his tongue in London with Gigi Salmon in that video? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was very, that was like, that was Uh-oh. a turn I did not see for that character. I um, did not. <laughs> Alex Deminer is Aussie number one at number 31. Nick Kyrgios wow. is number two at 35. And Millman is number three at 38. So he's got a chance to be seated at the Aussie. Yeah, yeah he, he will. Can, well, he's I mean, got points to defend. He has points well, to defend. In, That's why in, I say In Brisbane. Chance. But yeah, yeah. But he it gets the Sydney points. He made the final of Sydney that next mm-hmm. week. But those don't and count towards those, don't, those won't come off, right, yeah. for, before seating. So yeah. yeah. So decent shot for, for Deminer there. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Other things from that first week elsewhere in the world. Well, we um, had the absurdity of Angelique Kerber and Alex Zverev playing doubles together. Oh, my gosh. Um, They're doing it again. Was, I'm so excited to see them. With their, I'm going to Hopman Cup next year, y'all. And, or in seven days, I was days, like, y'all. next year? Like seven days. And I am really excited to see this um, babysitter dynamic that's going on there. I don't, just, know to, I don't know what I else wrong? to say. Am I wrong? There just is this sense of from Angie. And, like, I know Angie pretty well. Like, she doesn't have this personality quirk all the time like this is not a constant thing with her so like the body language just the way that she looks at like Zverev is just is just so just like I don't know what this kid is up to <laughs> like, it's just it's just all very get in the car yeah <laughs> it's know? very like, I'm trying to be polite because your parents are here but <laughs> yeah it's it's amusing so I'm excited for that um one thing that I was actually speaking of Hopman Cup actually really surprised obviously pleasantly so 
But I'm surprised that Hotman Cup, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised that Hotman Cup couldn't land the, the Japanese team. They did this year. I mean, they got Osaka this year. Osaka I was know, there I'm saying, but this Sugita, coming year. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that would have been good. I guess K, K, K's never played it. I guess K, like, K always is in Brisbane. Maybe he just prefers that. Or the fact that maybe it's just not enough money. That could be. I mean, because that's, that's du- a... the dual asking price of the Jap- Japan yeah. A team right now. That's yeah, that'd that's be big. a that's a uh, and you're already paying so much of it to Roger, right? So... And Serena. Oh my gosh! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. that's all. And Zverev and Kerber. That's, and that's why I'm going. I mean, because yeah. they have an amazing lineup this year at Hopman, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been there since 2012. And I'm looking forward to it for Brisbane because Brisbane, like, actually, like, yeah, I think that had they were had they been able to like swing the uh the japanese team it'd be pretty brutal but yeah, yeah no it, it's like it ended up being okay and so both um naomi and Kay are in brisbane which is great uh onto the next week of the year remember a match that really augured a lot about how this year was going to go i remember watching when i got to my apartment in uh, melbourne early is remember when kerber just like demolished venus in the in sydney yes first round sydney that was a match. That, like, sent some signals for how this year was going to go for sure. Well, but Because Kerber, also... Kerber was unseated and Venus was coming off Singapore final in a really good year. And But not yeah. even just that. I mean, Kerber-Safarova. Safarova had match points on Kerber. Actually, in the first round. I think the Venus match was after that. Oh, right. Venus had a bye. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and Safarova had... And, and Kerber had played so well at Hopman Cup and she was looking great, but had to save, I think, one or two match points against Safarova to win that and then obviously rolled from there. But... Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those sliding doors, like, hmm, I wonder what happens if, like, Lucy converts match point, right? Like, what does the rest of the season look like for Angie? Because she would go on to win Sydney, go into Australian Open with a, ton, a full head of steam, you know, make that semifinal, play great, and, and just continue to basically mount her comeback. And I think that by the end of January, we were like, oh, Kerber's back. Like, mm-hmm. her 2017 was a distant memory at that point. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but speaking of Venus, I mean, when we do remember when and we look back on 2018, a lot of it is, I mean, even just stepping back, right? Like, here are three players that were in the top 10 at the start of the year last year. Venus Williams, Garbina Muguruza was number two. Yeah, they're both they're both top five. You know those. Two, they were both yeah. top five. Yeah, and Venus had just come off of like an absurd season where she made two Slam finals plus the final of the WTA uh, finals in Singapore plus like, US Open semi. Yeah, yeah, she actually was the prize money leader. Yeah, last year at the end of the year, that's how successful her season was. But she was top five. Garbina was number two, having just gotten nipped for number one by Simona at the very end. But it was Garbina who was like the ITF, I think champ, like the ITF world champion. Okay. Like, got that award, so it was kind of a weird thing. Anyways, uh, and Coco Vandeweghe was top 10. Oh, right. Coco was, yeah. And she's not even top 100 anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, I obviously, mean, yeah. uh, Garcia was in the top 10, but I think that, you know, on some level, we were kind of like, oh, there probably going to be a little bit of a slip there, yeah. whatever. But there, there were, so there were a few. So the top 10 actually had quite a bigger, I think, shakeup between 17 and 18 then maybe people were expecting i don't know but then you fl- yeah. you flash forward 12 months and you know garbinia's just inside the top 20 coco now is number 100 as of this week um uh she was the last direct entry into the australian open um 12 months on from being the like last top tenor um mm-hmm. and then venus is what like top 
she's number 38. Okay, so top um, 40. She's thir- I, remember I, wrote, I wrote in her, my story, she's 38 in age and ranking at this point, yeah. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, so so she takes that loss to Kerber. She draws Benchich in the first round of the Australian Open. I mean, she did get a lot of, like, tough, brutal yeah. draws. She got some brutal draws this year, but... Yeah, Wong Chong, yeah. first round, Paris, who's playing Yeah, but well, we just and... kind of don't... And she lost to Kasatkina, uh, or no... It, Who'd she lose was, to at Wimbledon? She lost to Burton's. Burton's, that's it was, right. Kiki. It was, it was, it was like we t- we t- we've talked about this offline. It was like one of the sort of under discussed stories, just on paper. Yeah. Of twenty of twenty eighteen was Venus's slip because, and I think that's a lot to do with how much respect people have for her, and also with her age and putting it in context. Because I mean, on paper, this player who was prize money leader in the tour in twenty seventeen, you know, falling almost out of the top forty a year later. It should be like, wow, look at this, you know, plummet, you know, whatever. But like, I think people, it, it felt, it felt not, never was the tone I think anyone wanted to hit because it was, you know, she, again, it's incredible. It just put her 2017 maybe in more context. Like exactly. That, it's that she's 38, you know, thir- in her late 30s, you know, and still able to be competitive and still obviously 38 is a year that all the 37 players would really like to have. So... Um, yeah, I think that it's a, a really, you know, it was just sort of an it's under-discussed thing, and she obviously is not a big talker these days, and I, I just remember sort of putting it in context for the first, and there hadn't been a moment to really sort of have it, because when she exited, like, the U.S. Open, which would have been the time to do it, it had it been to somebody else, she lost to Serena, you know, and when she lost to Wimbledon, uh, she was one of many top teners going out there, and that was sort of caught in a bigger wave, so I didn't really get a chance to sort of step back and look at her year in, in whole, until I did a story on her, you know, splitting with David Witt, uh, which just happened a couple weeks ago, uh, that story. And just sort of, sort of putting it in a paper and it was like, oh, wow, that's why she was a pretty steep drop off for Venus. And and I don't know what next year holds for her. I, I hope that she, um, if she continues playing, which I all indications are she will, but she doesn't have a coach as far as I know, or as far as he knew when I talked to him. Um, I hope that things go well for her because um, it's just really cool having her around because she was the person who, you know, got me into tennis when I was watching her as a beaded 17-year-old make the U.S. Open final. So having her stick around this long has been, I just feel sort of spoiled by it on some level. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, you and I have talked about this extensively offline, I think, throughout this season. I think that a lot of the silence and kind of the nothing to see here, move along uh, with respect to her 2018 season, Part of a lot of it is what you said, which is just there was just never the space to do that story um which was kind of weird but uh but i think a lot of it is also just um yeah just understanding the context and understanding that you know uh yeah 2017 was nuts and then on top of that 2018 being a season that had just absurd stories um across the board i think that that matters too and and so it's almost like too many your resources were just spent covering all of these other storylines that were going on that you, you you never really had like the, the, the time to pause and breathe and be like, oh, yeah, like, what is going on with Venus? So hopefully it's a bounce back. She's scheduled for to start her season in Auckland. She's asked for a Tuesday start. So at least those communications are happening. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. One other thing from that second week of the year in terms of remember when is when Jack Sock was um, got the tanking oh. allocations in Auckland, which also were like another big signal for his year. 
he kind of went down in flames to Peter Goryovchik, who had a pretty good year, uh, and wearing some incredibly like tight, you know, children's size shirts, and uh, had uh, yeah, Sock lost like three and three, and was very listless and augured a, another fall for his year. Yeah, I mean, considering that both Sock and Vandeweghe had, I mean, they were not talked about in this, and they had very different years actually, but like ranking wise, like both were yeah. top tenors. And I mean, that was what my question was going, was going to be, which is that like obviously with Coco, you know, she didn't have necessarily a bad year. She did have an injury prone year. I mean, yeah. she did make the final in Stuttgart, um, and so she got yeah. a few points here and there, and then rolled her ankle really badly in, um, in Wimbledon against uh, Siniakova, and pretty much was playing catch up ever since after after that, and and really struggled to win matches. But it really was it se- it seemed like kind of more injury related that at least the injuries really did have an impact, obviously, on her season. But uh, having not really followed the saga all that much, was there ever really? an explanation or context as to why sock fell so dramatically publicly no i've heard you know rumors and theories but nothing i've been able to confirm or that he's ever talked about but he did admit by wimbledon he was saying yeah i'm having an awful year i mean he wasn't sort of in denial about it the way sometimes players can be he you know he didn't say i'm doing everything right just you know results aren't going my way or kind of the way i'm trying i think like that's a little more how, like, the tone Mildenovich took when she was having her big slide. Right, yeah. It was, like, nothing nothing to see here. Jack wasn't really... Jack was owning it more than that. But, yeah, he, there was no real reason for sure. But both of them, yeah, similarly, they both wound up winning the U.S. Open doubles. And they both... Yeah. Jack also won Wimbledon doubles. And, you know, made... They both made the tour finals in doubles. And so they're both uh, interesting, interesting odd cases. Um, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we no. talked about Jack a bunch on the show a while ago. I don't need to go yeah. probably back in taste. No, here, no, no. But... Yeah, it just it, it was that was um that was stunning because it really never seemed like it was injury related. I, I don't know no. that I've seen fitness a, related a drop maybe. like that. Yeah, but I don't think I've seen a drop like that. Um where a player didn't have like you know, didn't have extended time away yeah. due to an injury. I don't know if I've seen something like that. I'm and trying the, to think. The, the thing with Jack is he was not getting hard draws either. Yeah, like he, he was, was he was he was that... he was losing to people he had no business losing to, or you know that were he could beat even like at not 100 percent, or he on paper he should be able to beat these people, and he just kept taking loss after loss after loss. Um, he played a really bad opening set in Australia, as I remember when against Yuichi Sugita. I'm pretty sure he started the match with zero winners and 20 unforced errors. Like I've never seen anyone like have that. Battery That's impressive. Won any match? It was it was impressive. <laughs> um, other Australian Open things into Melbourne. I very much remember the press conference where they named Billie Jean King Australian Open Woman of the Year, and then she said <laughs> the stadium <laughs> name should be changed. That was exceptional. Uh, that was Oof. great. Was I, this, I also did this year? Yeah, this year had to have the 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 draw ceremony. Right? Was that this year? The one where With Maria the, and and Roger yes. and then Jeannie. Like you could read genie, like people saw the genie draw. You saw yeah, yeah, yeah. over yeah, the yeah. guy's so, shoulder. So, yeah, so they are making, they're making the draw. I, I, if they do this exactly again next year, I'll be furious. I hate this trend that both the U.S. Open and Australian Open have done, where they do draw reveals instead of draw ceremonies. I just think it's crap and just makes it just. It, you need transparency and openness, but they had like a weird backdoor transparency the Australian Open one because they were actually making the draw at a desk they'd put on the court of Margaret Court Arena, and there was a fan, uh, I believe Jed Setzer, I want to say, who was sitting behind the 
big computer monitor <laughs> that like Wayne McEwen was forming the draw and just like taking photos. Like, oh, here's Halep's draw. She plays Iava first. And then maybe, <laughs> Meanwhile, maybe there's Bouchard. like no one's talking about the draw. It's as though it's not even being done. There's an interview with Roger and he's telling yeah. stories. It was very, then, very kind of absurd. And then and then picking Maria for the draw ceremony was just like you know, I've talked we've talked plenty about Maria's whole doping case, but like having her be the poster girl on her first time back to this tournament where she tested positive and like marching her out there, it's just like was a no win for anybody. Doesn't help her to like drag her you know, put her under that hot spotlight and make her have this really sort of flashy arrival to Melbourne and doesn't help the tournament at all either and just pissed a lot of people off. So that was a weird L. I sure enough was taking a lot of L's in that first week before the tournament started, had to be said. And the app they made was awful. That's another remember when. Oh, I think, yeah. Remember, like, I had to, like, had to Google, like, Australian Open scores <laughs> to find out what the scores were of matches. It was not good. It was a bit of a technical, a technical, yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was... I'll tell you, I mean, I, w- I give the Australian Open a lot of credit for this, which is that when I think back on that two and a half weeks that I was there, um, I I know how I felt when I was there for the two and a half weeks. Like, I know that there were times where I was very frustrated and the weather was weird and um, just because of the new setup where we were not in mm-hmm. labor and we were in Tennis HQ, which was very different. Um, just things were a little bit off. Um, I recall, but yeah. I d- actually, in my brain, don't remember that. I had a good time in Australia. I had I a really, really good time. Like I, I like. I mean, I the the the. W, I mean, obviously covering WTA, like the WTA absolutely rocked that tournament. Oh my god, it was. It amazing. was one of the best like women's tournaments in a really long time, like uh, slams. Um, and so that so the on court drama was awesome. Um, did we go see movies? I feel like I went and saw movies when we I was usually, there. We usually do. Let me see. Um, we hit a lot of dumplings. See, wait, did we, we see something in dumplings. Brisbane this year? Maybe, movie-wise? I think we did with Catherine. So we so we watched Girls Trip in your, in your hotel room in Melbourne. Ah, that's, that's right. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, so that was, that was, uh, I, I, yeah, it was, a, it was a really fun tournament. Like, in terms of movies, if I was going to give an Oscar nomination um oscar vote for best supporting actress in a grand slam tournament my vote would go to uh shesu way australian open like <laughs> talk about your like scene stealing performances my god she was amazing matches she played against muguruza against Redvanska, against kerber all of them were really good i forgot i rewatched the kerber shay highlights recently i forgot how close she was to winning that match yeah like she was close in that second set to closing out in straights and it was it's it's so good. Like you guys, it was Sue H A. That tournament was awesome. I just said her name two different ways. I realized on this segment already, but yeah, it was it was really really cool. And she was awesome. Uh, one other sort of more remember when thing. Uh, talking going back to the Market Court Arena stuff. Remember that ball boy who had the really nice note for Laura Robson. The guy who was a ball boy. Oh my gosh! In yeah. twenty twelve, on Laura Robson's court, had this like very very sweet note. Um, to sort of address to Laura, but just for Twitter and about the market courts in general, about how much it meant to him that, that she Laura wore the rainbow, wearing, wearing the rainbow, um, which I just thought was very cool and it's sort of uh, a cool moment of sort of recognizing that. And that was a thing that was very ahead of its time. And Laura was still the most outspoken player. And I do remember when also when players didn't do much about the name of the arena in the end, and 
a lot of uh, their elder stateswomen in the sport were definitely disappointed by that. Yeah, no, I mean, one of these days, and, and if there are any British reporters who are listening to this, they should definitely look into one day doing an oral history of that day mm-hmm. from of from Laura about like kind of when she got the idea, why she like how it all came about, and then and then all the way through to her absurd press conference, which oh I hope somebody still has the audio file for. I might have it. I have to. I'd have to pull it because it was in a secondary room, which as we all too. know, you should never put Laura Robson in a secondary room. Um, put baby in a corner. No. Don't put baby in a corner because it's going to be overflowing with people. Um, and she handled it really well. But some of the questions and the comments were like so crazy. Like it's kind of yeah. weird to think that was only five years ago of yeah. just like people like journalists walking back out. Six, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah, six years ago speculating like, so does this mean that she's a lesbian? Like because she wore a rainbow hair tie to protest the MCA. <sighs> Yeah, so it yeah. was it was nuts, and uh, yeah, th- there's definitely a story there. <laughs> Remember when Coco Vandewey got really mad that the chair empire wouldn't let her eat a banana, and gave a time violation? I so and do had, not remember had, that at all. Been, we, she was playing Tamea Babos in the first round, okay. a very aggro match on high sense, and she got a time violation. She was feeling sick, she said later, and she got a time violation for <laughs> for staying in her chair to eat a banana because there weren't any bananas on court. And she made it this whole, like, I have a right to have a banana thing. You don't remember this at all. I but don't. it was it was wild, you guys. I'm sure somebody does. But, it, yeah, it was a I'm, weird I'll, I'll have to go back and look that up. There's got to be the footage somewhere. No, there, the footage is there for sure. Weird. Okay. For yeah. sure. Totally don't remember that. Um, Remember when, obviously this isn't, like, anything that any of us would forget, but given just how her season ended up going and how everything ended up being. But remember when Simona Halep was wearing some Chinese nondescript red dress because she didn't have a sponsor you say um, nondescript as if it hasn't been carved into my heart because <laughs> i mean that was, I was a hall of fame dress it was a great dress if she had won if she had won that tournament i would have and even not but like the tennis hall of fame is like there my sense is that and I, I should know this better but they are there with like a you know, plastic bag for you to put your slime winning kit in like <laughs> right if you if you choose to like they are ready to take it they have the bag is already in the locker room basically and Caroline was actually wearing not the dress she was supposed to be wearing at that tournament because she switched out of her Stella kit. Yes, that that's right. Um, I remember when that happened. But um, yeah, but but Simona's red dress was just so clean and so good looking and, and fit her really well. And she, Simona was kind of good in everything. She's just got a great build to wear tennis dresses in. And uh, yeah, uh, it was very it was very cool. Very cool outfit. Remember when she rolled her ankle against Destiny Ayava and course. played like a wild uh, couple rallies in that match? That was a weird, weird match. Destiny Ayava. I mean, think about that. I mean, Destiny Ayava, who was like kind of a thing for about 48 hours there mm-hmm. in, in Australia. Uh, uh, now, like, I don't think she's even in direct into qualies. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Australian Open, so yeah, but she's never been that steady in her career. No, and so an far. interesting, very, very young, but yeah, yeah, very young and and you know powerful, but you know young and kind of undisciplined in the way that she plays. And she had those quotes about how I think it, it maybe it came after the Australian Open about how she just plays for money, like that's the, yeah. her primary motivation, which is fine. There's like I really feel like so many people need to get over that, like like shaming people for saying they do a job for money, like. She's 17 years old, and if she wins a tennis match, she could get, like, paid, like, $30,000. I think it's okay if she's, like, 
you know, made that deal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. So that was, that was crazy. And I mean, as we all know, Halep's entire Melbourne was pretty much nuts. It, 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 it was crazy. And I think somebody on Twitter, um, I don't know if it was to NCR or it was to me on my private account or whatever, but somebody was kind of saying like, like, remember when like the memory of, or the main talking point after the Australian open was Halep. Like, that even though like Wozniacki was the one and it was it was a feel good story either way. Like either way, you were going to be like happy for one and sad for the other because of what they were trying to chase that day. But um, but yeah, like that, that like just the way that Halep had played those two weeks and everything that she put on the line. And obviously she ended up in the hospital due to dehydration after that and et cetera, et cetera. Like but like Halep won a lot of hearts, I think, both like in the locker room and the press room in that two weeks like i feel like everything really changed in terms of how people started talking about her it had been building during 2017 a fair amount but i think 2018 was the first time when the english language press corps was fully on board with the idea that like a women's tournament is likely way better than a men's tournament and the fact that you got this and and that narrative of halep wozniacki was like irresistible and i don't i can't remember ever having a match before that had so many people being like, who, well, who you think is going to take this one? Who, who you got? Who you got? Before Halle Bozniacki, you know, which is not, not the players people necessarily think of as being, you know, huge, you know, titans of the sport because neither had won a slam yet, neither been coordinated. But there was just so much kind of like positivity and like good feeling around the women's tournament. Yeah, that's thing. true. It yeah. was a really, really good tournament. I always, Australian Open, I think, always has the best tennis of the year or very frequently. Everybody's fresh. Everybody's healthy. Um, and there are ways that in a radical redo of the calendar, if, if tennis really does want to peak for the Grand Slams, which I'm not sure it should, but like Australia Open is the one people really do kind of peak for without fail. And um, well, yeah. it's a great, great women's tournament. Absolutely. I mean, it, it goes back to your, you know, start of the year, you know, analogy of just like everybody brings it in yeah. January. And then after that, everyone kind of is trying to bring it and has you know, different levels of success on a week to week basis. But I feel like January, everybody actually comes together and collides and it's great. Couple more, couple more remember ones from January. Cause again, my notebook is full for this section. <laughs> um, remember this is one I did not remember until I, until I was scrolling back through my Twitter. But do you remember when Will Farrell did an encore interview with Roger Federer after a match? So bad. And it was really cringy and just so like, bad. what is, what is happening here? Will Farrell showed up this year to both the Australian Open and Eurovision. He's following me. Weird. He's jealous know, right? of your hair. Uh, he should be. <laughs> he, 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 he's a good. He's got good hair in in my category of hair. Well, Farrell, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, he's uh, been around. Remember how um, excited you were, Courtney, at how good of an Australian Open Mackie McDonald had. <laughs> I do remember that. I was really excited for Mackie. Um, I like me some Mackie McDonald. I think, that, yeah, like, because everybody I, does. Everybody does, and I think, but you especially, yeah. yeah. But like, because like it was what Cincinnati that one year when he mm-hmm. qualified and and kind of made his way through, and he was still a teenager, and he was like a commit to UCLA and all this sort of stuff, and he was like, un- he seems like a nice enough kid. Um, so yeah, he had he had his little. Australian Open run, and he was looking like uh, I think at the time I was analogizing him to um, Lil Mac from uh, from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. For those people who are Gen Xers <laughs> and actually played it, but he just that's what he looked like when like if people were like crushing balls at him, he just like looked like this little dude in a baseball cap at the bottom of your screen, just trying to 
hang in there. Uh, but yeah, it, it, but it turned out well, and he ended up having a good Wimbledon as well. Yeah. Um, and kind of being 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 around. So hopefully he solid top hundred player. Yeah, now. solid top one hundred player. We'll see more of him. And um, you know, he's a little undersized, but but um, but yeah, it was it was cool to see Mackey. It's cool to see a new faces. You know him, Deminer. You know, on the on the guys' side, it was cool to see them kind of start to bubble up in 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 January. Couple more things. Do you remember there was a match? I think it was the match he lost. I want to say to Grigor when Nick Kyrgios was telling his box to stand up after stand up after every point he played, and they just looked exhausted and annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like he was like shut like stand up, and they just like, shot up his mom and like his agents being like, oh god. And, I like, do recall that. <laughs> yeah, I did feel. I still. I did kind of start feeling bad for his mom. Like, I was oh, like, that, don't all make, of it was ridiculous. Like, don't, don't make don't, mama do no, that. No, absolutely not. You know, um, on a very different note for Australia. Do you remember um, when Tennis Sankran read a prepared statement to the media after his quarterfinal? Here's the thing, right? Because so because obviously I don't go to ATP press conferences anymore. Right. So I have to hear about all this stuff secondhand from all you guys when you come back and you're like, oh, my God, I have something to tell you. <laughs> You do not know what you just missed. So, yeah, so I don't remember it, but I do remember that day. Uh, you remember I the do, reaction to I it, do yeah. remember the reaction, and I do remember reading immediately pulling up the transcript and reading it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, did he do anything really after Australia? I mean, he had some, like, results that were enough to kind of, like, maintain his ranking. Because he had a decent number. I've, I might be getting this a little bit wrong. He defended the points he had in 2017 that got him up into the top 100. He could have slid more. He kind of, like, treaded water. Gotcha. He, he didn't fall. So he has a lot of points to defend coming up in Australia next year. But he made, like, third round Indian Wells. He made, like, third round U.S. Open. He did, like, a little bit enough to, like, keep his, you know, head above water rankings-wise. I mean, I mean, like a 250 quarterfinal here or there um he didn't okay definitely not a spectacular year but his his australian open was legit well i mean not maybe not legit the fact that he got a really banged up stan in the second round which kind of broke open that whole yeah, draw yeah that that's the thing i mean the but then he but he draw. did beat team heads up like pretty cleanly in the fourth round on a hard court back i know January. but still like but you know it's still a top 10 player in theory um and then he lost to hyun chung to switch to a feel good story. Talk about was... Young Chung. That was yeah. that was bonkers, man. Like and it was interesting. I was Young Chung, who obviously made the semifinals uh of the Australian Open, lost to Roger Federer eventually. But um he uh I was riding in a car from Guangzhou to Zhuhai, um, obviously for the tournament. I had flown in from Singapore and going and I shared the back seat with a Korean guy. Um, who had spent some time studying the States. And it's like a two and a half hour drive from Guangzhou to Zhuhai. So we had nothing mm-hmm. but time to just chat. And so we were talking about the whole Young Chung thing. And he was like, no, you don't understand. It was enormous. Like, he was like, it was massive. Wow. Like, in in Korea at the time. Um, in he January, beat Djokovic. Because he beat Djokovic, which is a big deal. And yeah. I still remember, like, even in the States, like, all, like, like J, like, you know, J. Kang and um, uh, Mina Kims and, like, all these, like, Korean sports writers were like, yo, <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, this dude's playing, like, Roger next. This is nuts. So it was a, I mean, it was a really big story. And one that, like, didn't have legs after that because he kind of you know, kind of petered yeah. off and disappeared, which was a bummer. Um, but but that was an electric two weeks for Young Chuck. It's very, um, it's very, he's going to have a very interesting 2018, just seeing like what he can do to be a steadily big presence. Because his game doesn't look, you know, 
Like it should be something that runs super hot and cold. It looks like it should be pretty solid. Yeah. But you're right. But they're right. There was a definite cool off. I'm not sure what kind of injuries or maybe or how I'm not. I didn't track his rest of that year that quietly, that carefully. But it was a little bit sanguine-esque in that like he, that's maybe sanguine is actually better the rest part of the year. I mean, like it was just pretty quiet in a way that didn't. Yeah. Same, same thing to add to the, the conversation also. The other surprise player was semifinalist Kyle Edmund had a pretty similar kind of thing. Totally forgot he made that semi. Yeah, there's a remember when <laughs> Kyle Evans made the semifinal. It was a whole thing with Kyle Evans making the semifinals of that tournament. I can't remember who he played who he in. Beat I know he in beat five Grigor. Sets? Was it Grigor? Or he beat uh, Kevin the Anderson Chilich? first round. Kevin Anderson first round, and then he played Chilich in the semis and like was in no shape to play. And I think I don't think he retired, but it was mm. like he was hurt and it was a bad deal. And then Chung was hurt with that bad blister in the other semi, yeah. and both the men's semis were flops. And so. And that even more sort of set the appetite for that women's final. Like, I think people were really excited that, were, that there could be a good match coming in the women's final after having two pretty disappointing days of the men's semis. And because the way the men's semis work in Australia, being spaced out over, you know, two nights, like, they really, you know, one match carries a whole day there. Or you only get one match a day, really, for each last three days. So there have been quite a few times in Australia where one of those semifinals has been a dud on the men's side, and it can kind of just kind of throw off the whole rhythm of that tournament. Yeah, and it, it definitely just, I mean, it, especially when, like, you know, it's coming on the heels of the Halep Kerber semifinal, which was another nutty, heat, crazy, like, lengthy, grueling, brutal match. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah, just every single day of that tournament just felt like one side was stacking up so well and the other side was just weird yeah like the women versus the men and i just remember at the time just it just felt different i mean you know read into that what you will but you know i'm just very much as we discussed on this podcast numerous times like very much used to the rhythm of the women own the first week and the men own the second week like yeah. the first week is where because of the the depth and everything it's like the upsets and the crazy matches and you know early-ish first week matchups between people you want to see play and then because of all that happening the second week is a bit of uh you know lopsided quarterfinals and semifinals and finals whereas the guys it's like easy cruising through the first week and they're actually all the top guys are going up against each other from quarterfinals on and it just felt like this was one of not that i know that statistically it's not the first time but this was like the first time it really felt skewed where it just really felt like the women like dominated from like first like from soup to nuts like first ball to last ball like it felt like every aspect of it was 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 better except for the fact that at the end of the day the men got roger federer as a champion, yeah, which was a kind of validates. Final, I know, but when you know the rules, it's the everybody, same everybody left with ha- Serena. Like if Serena, everybody wins, leaves happy, yeah, right. Like you know, like if you have a champion that people deem to be the worthy champion or the champion that people want to win, like all the sins of the tournament are forgiven. Yeah, no, that's totally true. That's just how it is, you know. One other thing, I'm just realizing I forgot. Remember when? Wise, remember Andy Murray's January. When he flew down to Brisbane, oh yeah, oh my god, and and the, the British press was going nuts because they couldn't figure out where he was, and then they thought he'd flown home. They were told he flew home, I believe, and then he was actually getting hip surgery, twist in Melbourne. All of that was sort of weird. Um, were and not I, just, happy. I was just I was just I was just thinking about that in terms of the men's tournament because I also remember Nadal. It was the first of Nadal's two Grand Slam retirements this year in terms of making it anticlimactic on the men's side. That definitely doesn't help when you have your top seed um, go down with uh, retirement. In a, in a match, just very, 
take the air out of Herman a bit. Yeah. Um, one last Australian Open one I have. Um, do you remember? This is a deep cut, but hopefully you remember it because I sure do, I sure do. When um, in mixed doubles, when it was match point for Lavochkova and Roger Vasilan, and they had like an easy floating lob, and oh Roger, my god, and, like, yes, Lavochkova had it, <laughs> and Roger Vasilan like stepped in front, like knocked the racket out of her hand, and they lost the point and then the match. That was like yeah, not to overstate it. But it was sort of just like set the table for a lot of things, and you know, women and men getting along in the last couple of years. It was 2018. The symbolism of it was a little in thick. a nutshell. <laughs> totally. It was a little totally. yeah, laying it on a little, little on the nose, little on yeah. the nose. February, for sure. Stuff. Um, as I, as I said, we're going pretty slow through the beginning. Right I know here, it's been but... like. Th- I mean, so so February, February things, for me. Well, what's okay? So go ahead. What is your standout? I, I, have, I, have, I, have a couple, I have a couple quick fire ones, and then anyone, any of you want to expand on, go for it. Remember that Kane Shikori started his year in Challengers, um, and then made London. So early on, That's he was right. playing like Newport Beach, and then Dallas. And Mike Cation was very excited to have him in Dallas. I'm sure so that was exciting to have Kane Shikori play those level tournaments. Uh, Rebecca Marino started her comeback, which yes. was a sort of um, it was a very the one of the better feel good stories of 2018, and I'm very excited to hopefully see her playing qualities in Melbourne um, there, which will be her first Grand Slam qualities. I also have um, when Petra dominated uh, Ostapenko in St. Pete, uh, 0-2. That was a, that sort of started the Petra renaissance of that section of the year. Petra was It was awesome. I was there. ladies. Yeah. It was nuts. Um, I have, uh, and then in the Middle East, I have Wozniacki, saying that grunting was the only way that Nicolescu could win and just being oh. a pill. And, and then Nicolescu sad. had words. Hey, she clapped back, absolutely. She did. Nicolescu then responded that, that is because at this point obviously Caroline had won the Australian Open. She was back to number yeah. one, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and Monica Nicolescu did not take kindly to to mm-hmm. Caroline's comments. Or should she? And uh and she said that it was unbecoming of a world number one to uh to talk like that. So, you know, this is, you know, I think Monica was just mad because Simona didn't have the number one for that four weeks in February. So she was just, you know, she was defending a girl <laughs> and her own pride. But Monica Nicolescu, let us not forget, Nicolescu Sharapova. Oh, my God. Yeah, Nicolescu be Sharapova there. Was art because Monica Nicolescu <laughs> broke Maria Sharapova's brain. Maria was hitting like forehand slices. It was tremendous. It was so crazy. I thoroughly enjoyed Doha. Uh, from a tennis perspective, it was awesome. It was like the best tournament, and I didn't actually cover Dubai, so like I went home and I watched Dubai from afar. Uh, and Dubai was obviously pretty crazy with uh, uh, Kasatkina saving match points against Muguruza and Kanta, and the whole first time we see one of those creative uh, on-court coaching timeouts with Philip de Haas, where he's like, "Oh, you know, it's a beautiful night. You know, let's stay mm. out here for two more two more hours." Oh, you love those. I yeah. love those. Yeah, so it was pretty good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, my, my, my overarching memory and I'll say remember when, but it's not really, nobody would remember this except for me and one (laughs) and two other people, but remember when, so, uh, I think Kerber, obviously all eyes were then starting to be on Kerber. Kerber and Wozniacki played each other in Doha in the semis, I think. Um, and Wozniacki won. In three tough sets, and and Kerber, Kerber, 
Kerber was not thrilled. Kerber was not thrilled. So I had to go get quotes, obviously, and um, with another German reporter who was there. And so we were both kind of waiting outside the locker room to get quotes. And yeah, that's as like scared as I've ever been. <laughs> like getting set to talk to a player. Like I was like genuinely like, oh, she mad. Like she's real mad. And like Angie was fine. Like hours later, she was. I ran into her at the hotel and she was like, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry. I just was like, it was right after the match, you know? So, and she wasn't rude or anything. I could just tell that, like, I just didn't know if she was going to start yelling or start crying when I started asking questions. And mm-hmm. she did it and she gave her answers and it was totally fine. We got what we needed and everything, but it was like super awkward. And so like that, that anxiety is what I felt. Um, and took the emotional away. memory of that. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but otherwise it was, it was, it was Petra. It was all Petra all the time, like through that, through that section. Um, and uh, she got some great wins. She started to go on that win streak. She won St. Petersburg and then she won Doha, which was massive. And then went into Indian Wells on a, on a, on a, on a match win streak. Um, that was ultimately ended by Anisimova. But uh, one name that I forgot to mention that was a remember when because, like, I don't know if any of us really knew who this person was. And, like, she totally took us by storm, like, in Melbourne. Marta Kostiuk. Okay. Until you said she, I was I was thinking you were going to say Darko. But, yeah. Well, um, well, we didn't even do our remember <laughs> when about that, Ben. I'm just saying, you know. Ben. I, I, but, ben. Sorry. Ben. Do you remember when? I was kind of three beers deep <laughs> sitting on the couch in my hotel room and you were there as well after we had just watched Girls Night mm-hmm. and we were talking for some reason about Darko. I don't know why we were. I was thinking about him a lot already because like he just made no sense to me. Like I was talking about, I was talking about anybody who like be like, yo, have you seen this Darko? But I don't what think that you this? and I had had like the we hadn't fledged talked about it, conversation no. about it yet. I was talking about it to Tumani a fair amount because Tumani was on my row gotcha. and there's, there's a, there's a, and as I did start to uncover things in the story, which all eventually got put in the story, which was um, fascinating to put together. And I was like very much like, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's a Grand Slam shirt, but I can't wait to go home and write about Darko. You were um, way obsessed. But, uh, yeah, um, it was – anyway, it was like No, I so I, – but so, like, I, I remember very vividly, like, giving Ben my – two cents on the whole situation because I was never a Darko person. Like, I was just like, there's no way that this person exists in tennis. It seems really fake. It seems like whatever. But then I still remember it was the day of the women's final. And I'm like super stressed out because it's the women's final and I don't know what's going to happen. I had to live blog it, whatever. And I come in to the press center Mm -hmm. and Ben finds me and he's like, do you have like two seconds? And I was like, sure. And he's like, um... Come with me. And he gets his laptop and we go into like one of the side rooms and he's like, you got to see this. And that's when you showed me the video of allegedly Darko hitting. Yeah, that was Darko hitting. (laughs) Yeah. And it was so bad. And I was like howling. I was laughing so hard. I brought so many people into that room and had them howl that day. (laughs) It was kind of my thing. Um, But yeah, that was an interesting story to do and just an interesting thing. And what I remember also is that the Darko story came out. And more or less, you know, humbly broke the tennis internet. And then the same night uh, was Harrison Young, which was this other complete mess of a oh. thing in February. They were the same night. And um, oh, I didn't know that was yeah, the same so, night. You know, it was an interesting sort of like te- immediate test for people and being like, so now, like, what, do you immediately jump to a conclusion? Do you immediately accept something? Do you not? Like, it was an interesting sort of 
thing that whole where was that in that whole scene and at the at the new york open yeah in, it was in, in new Long york Island. okay yeah, yeah yeah it was new york open yeah yeah so anyway yeah. so i mean so the darko thing is interesting he's still on twitter if you still want to follow him he's still around i'm still in touch with darko occasionally maybe there'll be a follow maybe there won't be interesting Ooh, um, teasing. but i uh i don't know if you did you not know that no um Oh yeah, no Darko and I stay stay pals. He's a big Eurovision fan, you know. Um, so so we'll see we'll see what comes from uh, from that. Okay. Stay tuned. Maybe maybe the last of that story has not been uh, not been told. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's see. Uh, Indian Wells I did not go to for the first time. You in were several missed. Years. And I was missing. Did you have it. FOMO and or did you not? I literally in my member when says my FOMO because <laughs> like I. I was very prepared to miss it. I was, and I did not actually miss the things people I think would think I would miss, which is like being in the desert and having it be so great, and you know having like this nice week away from winter and the sun, all the sort of paradiseness of India Wells, which I do appreciate when I'm there. But that's not what I missed. Like the tennis itself and just the stories were so good. Indian Wells this year, Osaka marching through a loaded draw to get to win the tournament. Um, you know, beating Sharapova first match and Sharapova firing. Or not uh, parting with uh, Sven Grenfeld after that. Um, Serena making her comeback to a real tournament at there and playing, and playing Venus. Venus. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's just so many good things. Like and and Serena versus Zarina to start. Yeah. And then um, and even just like other things like the Vickery Muguruza match. Oh, that was match was unreal. nuts. It was nuts. It that was match. Nuts. And then Sasha like, and, like was crazy. There was uh, a whole wild, Wakanda, that was a wild ride. Then there was the Wakanda Forever, and then you had Kasatkin yeah. on the outer courts, dusting uh, Kerber, dusting Waz. And then you had Kasatkin teaching, Kasatkin teaching Osaka how to do a tweener. I know. And some of the best WTA content ever created. Suggested by me and Kevin Fisher. I just wanted to say. Good work. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then like, and then Delpo won his first Masters event, mm-hmm. and he beat better in like a weirdly salty final like it was so like, like the results was were just so so great and i don't even know the tennis was always great i feel like osaka and kasakana did play well in their tournaments i think indy wells for some reason my impression indy wells is always the tennis is actually not that good usually the conditions just don't lead to like really appealing tennis but like oh my gosh the stories indy wells this year were pretty irresistible and i know chris clary was out there covering it for the times and i think he wrote probably like i haven't counted but probably like nine or ten stories i'm guessing out from indian wells which is we would never normally do for a master's event type level tournament love it um and so it was just like he had to because like the stories there were that great and that irresistible and all of it and that was when the world really got to know uh Dari, dasha for the first time yes and that was the big coming out for her and osaka too for and sure osaka too but people kind of um, knew what people who knew knew but people didn't really know kazaka before yeah, that exactly but dasha was like rocking the press conferences and she was being hilarious and and, and in a redemptive moment i i don't want to like make angie kerber seem like she's like always whatever but um one of the funny stories that came out of india wells was that it was after angie had won a match and she came in and um uh, to press and it was very late and she was running late a little bit depressed. So there was a bunch of reporters in the room and we were just talking about hamburgers and <laughs> we were talking about hamburgers and French fries. And I obviously asked a bunch of European reporters, hey, have you ever, you know, dipped your French fries in a milkshake? And they all started yelling at me like I was some crazy person when everybody in America knows I'm not a crazy person. That's what you do. It's delicious. Um and uh, and she like literally walked in as I was like screaming about this. I was like, "What the heck? Would you guys even know? It's delicious!" And she's like, "What is even going on?" And so then, as we were walking out, I was like, "Oh, what we were talking about was about 
French fries and milkshakes. And she's like, uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, no, it's really delicious. You take a French fry and you dip it in your milkshake or whatever. And she looked at me like I was insane. I was like, it's really, really good, Angie, I promise. <laughs> and she's like, no. I was like, I'll tell you what. You win this tournament and you have to eat it. Like, I will go and I will get – I will drive to Wendy's and I will get fries and a Frosty and you have to do mm-hmm. it. She's like, absolutely. I will do it if I win the tournament. I was like, and okay. And then she didn't. And then she lost the next match. <laughs> She had a reason to lose, clearly. Yeah. Um, I remember there was something where it was like... Anyway, I, I will say, I'm not a big fan of the of the French fry milkshake thing. It's never been my what? flavor. Because it makes the French fry just really cold. Like, I like my French no. fries hot. No, but that's the point, is you take a hot French fry, you dip it in an ice-cold milkshake, and you get this hot, cold, sweet, salty... No, every, like, every Everything's going off. The margin for error is so large there. I just, I just, I, no, I'm not, I'm not... You gotta I, do it I, with you, piping You know me, fries, I'm not, so, I'm not someone no, who, I know. you know, who rejects <laughs> that concept. Like, on paper, I am the kind of person who would, I'm not, you know, GG Salmon being like, oh my gosh, chicken and waffles, how could you? Um, but, <laughs> Shout uh, out to hi, GG. <laughs> But no, but that was like I've tried it and I just it is not has not worked for me. With like a um, super hot fry though? Like not like, you know, you took it home and then you do it at home, like and your fry's already lukewarm. No, I can it's see not it, fry, it's no, gotta be it, No. We'll, we'll no, tr- no. We'll try it we'll try it again. Mason. If, when, 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 when Mason. We're back, yeah, when we're back somewhere that has this spell, we'll 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 do it. Miami, the iconic quote of the men's tennis year, I think, came in Miami from Daniel Medvedev to um stefano Tsitsipas oh. after their match <laughs> after their match and the body serve uh boys i listened to their like urine kind of men's rap show too and they said it too and they expound conjugated it well but uh uh medvedev looks at Tsitsipas and goes man you better shut your fuck up okay <laughs> and just the concept of somebody having a fuck that they should shut up your your fuck shut your fuck up it's but- just it was it was melodic and beautiful because sometimes somebody has a fuck that just needs to be shut up. <laughs> the thing that I loved about it is that, I don't know, maybe this is like a reference that the kids don't understand anymore. And that's fine. It's okay. I'm firmly Generation X and I'm proud of it. Uh-huh. But um, but Clerks, in the great seminal film by Kevin Smith in Clerks. Good movie. Great movie. But in Clerks, um, Jason Mew's character, Jay, is introducing Silent Bob to his Russian cousin and his Russian cousin is like in a band. And so like Jay is like, yo, like, um, yo, sing the, sing, sing the song. And so the guy's like, no, 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 I'm so embarrassed. He's like, no, no, come on, sing it. And, it, and it's like, <laughs> honestly, you should just play the audio from the song. Okay, but... I will, I will play, I'll insert the audio of that here. I'll watch what he's gonna sing and watch, it's too funny. My love for you is like a truck bouncer. Would you like some making fuck bouncer? That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? But basically, it's like, would you like to make some fuck bouncer? <laughs> and it's always made me laugh, like to this day. So yes, it, it. So when Daniil Medvedev like d- said that, I was like, "Oh, he's the clerks guy," and it's kind of made me love him more. It's like just imagining that he's Jay, he's Jay's Russian cousin. <laughs> Those two have had several uh, encounters throughout the year. They they play each other second round of the U.S. Open and somewhere in Europe, I want to say Basel, Basel or Vienna, I think Basel. Um, and Medvedev won all of them. And it's just like it's a weird, just like oil and water with them, and they're both players who managed to annoy their opponents a fair amount 
Um, maybe through their own fault, maybe through no fault of their own, you be the judge. But like them being together, like I just like this rivalry being this salty this early on from these children. It um, works for great. me. It works it's for great. me. Great. Um, but yeah, Miami thing. Miami. Yeah, uh, Miami. Uh, obviously, Naomi Osaka getting her first win. Over. Oh yeah, beating Serena. Beating and, Serena. <laughs> so I rewatch. I watched for the first time. Um, I watched being Serena the documentary um, a couple weeks ago, and I had not really watched when it was. I was traveling or something when it was airing live when, when we were in Europe. Um, it's the HBO the scene, miniseries documentary. Yeah. Um, the HBO miniseries documentary being Serena and a bunch of you know things that are remarkable about the access in it. Um, but the most amazing thing shot wise is they have Serena um, losing to Naomi Osaka and they have her like literally getting in the car, turning the key and being the driver's <laughs> just driving away but the, to the stadium. But yeah, and just, and, and just, I like, still it's, remember it's so Carol Bouchard. <laughs> Like, I think she was the one, like, texting us, being like, oh, I just saw, I just saw Serena getting to her car and we'll drive away. <laughs> and then like, she was driving was the most yeah. hilarious thing. Because it wasn't even like, oh, I'm just going to you know, get transport and go. Like, most players don't drive themselves. But I guess it's, it may, I don't know if she stays in Miami or stays at home during no, that No, I tournament. think she stays at home. But, but yeah. yeah but, but it was, it was, fun. it was just like this sort of, like, peace outness of just, like, the, and, you know, you know, whatever kind of gif you want. Just, like, the person being like, and goodbye. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah, but um, but Naomi had one of the best. And again, it, it's kind of funny to piece Naomi's season together in quotes because I think that you can do that and actually get a pretty clear narrative of her season. But mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, after beating uh, Serena, uh, she had that one quote of like, um, "I just all I really wanted was to hear her say, come on." Because yeah. and, and it was like and it was Naomi in her very kind of Naomi way, being like, "Cause you know, sometimes when you watch Serena." Like she she doesn't say come on and you're kind of like is she really trying like does she want to win so I just wanted to hear her say it once so when I heard her say it I was like all right here we go like you know yeah and she blitzed her Naomi blitzed Serena close yeah I mean Naomi went four and zero in sets against Serena this year which again obviously context I mean this is not the same Serena as like four four years ago et cetera et cetera but. You know, can't remember. I can't imagine the last player who won their first four sets against Serena. Who that would even be? It'd be a long time ago. Maybe like Sabil Bammer or something more recently. The answer is like always in the, probably Bammer, in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bammer. Yeah. yeah. Other things in Miami. Uh, <laughs> it was a salty tournament for the men in general. There was Kokonakis. Kokonakis beat Federer. That's I remember when um, in Miami. That's the match the result that kind of came out of nowhere and ended Rogers' season for a few months because he always takes off the clay. Um, so Kokonakis won that, and then um, he had a very salty third round match against Fernando Verdasco. Um, in the whole, oh, Fernando had <laughs> himself a season. Fernando <laughs> on the episode. I don't know if you listened to according to the episode I did with Ricky, but we did like sort of did, yeah. opposite ATP awards, like least sportsman like. Like Fernando got this one in the bag pretty clearly this year for sure for just being and, and as Kyrgios tweeted during that tournament, like just being a salty dude in general. <laughs> Um, and it's, and, and, um, and, 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 uh, Verdasco appropriately called Nick out on, like, deleting that as the trend of curious leading tweets throughout the year. But Kokonakis Verdasco is a sort of funny moment of, of dad identification in the stands. Um, <laughs> other quick Miami things. One point that really sticks with me, my most memorable point almost of the year, is, uh, Victoria Azarenka won a set point against Anastasia Sevastova in Miami, with a moon ball winner on set point that like bounced into the stands. 
And she wow. hit it so high that, like, <laughs> Sebastian was, like, backing up for it, just, like, hit the back wall. <laughs> it couldn't go any further, and I'd pretty much never seen that. And it was beautiful. I don't know if that's on – I hope it's on YouTube or something because it was wild. That's y'all. art. Oh, that and whole then... – Is there a generation that plays more moon balls than that generation? No. They know how to moon ball. I mean, you know, like, as, like, a tactical move, there's nothing wrong with the play. But, like, between Angie and Caroline and Vika – that's a lot of moonballage. Imagine their junior tournaments, my God. Um, and then <laughs> and my other, my other, yeah, that's right. My other member win for Miami is Danielle Collins. Of course, coming out of nowhere, really in that New York Miami double, um, making fourth round of Indian Wells, right? And yeah. And semis of Miami and playing Ostapenko pretty tough in that semi. Yep. Um, and just and beating Venus in the quarters. And just playing really well and just being a, a really just good competitor and where they sort of like club type clothes and just was just sort of just like Disruptor. out there just kind of, yeah, just out there kind of just brawl and being like, why not me? Like, yeah. you know, in, in this very way that this way that I thought was very refreshing and very cool. Um, so I, it was a, she was an unexpected because she'd gotten 0.0 hype before really at, at, in terms of WTA level before the, these runs. A hundred percent. And so for her to just go out there and, and do the thing was, I thought very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it that kind of like um, that why not me attitude is a big reason why I was really kind of surprised. And I don't know what the health concerns were in the back, or, you know, in, in behind the scenes and stuff, but why she didn't get the nomination uh, to play uh, at the Fed Cup. Because I kind of yeah. felt like if there was one of those players who was going to like not be bothered by the, the packed O2 oh, arena. relish it, yeah. And just, like, yeah. be there screaming all the way back. It was going to be Danielle Collins. So, I mean, I don't begrudge the choices. I mean, they ended up playing Kennan and, and Risk. Kennan played amazing. Kennan played yeah. great, and she very easily could have gone 2-0 and that weekend. Um, but, but yeah, I would have – I really was like, I want to see Danielle Collins unleashed in Prague. <laughs> so here's a trivia question for you, Courtney. Do you remember which man won Miami? Clearly, I don't. <laughs> no? It was John Isner. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? I, I was pretty sure you would not know that one. <laughs> Isner beat Zverev in the men's final. Okay. After Isner, after beat, Isner beat Zverev in the men's final. And then... How did he um, beat Zverev? Okay. <laughs> and then Isner... And then Isner... Um, uh, beat Delpo in the semis, and Delpo was like out of gas by that point. But it was yes. like a very cool sort of like America versus Latin America in Miami type scene, and it was mm. it was a day match. I remember being so confused that it was a day match, uh, but it absolutely should have been a night match. Every Delpo match should be a night match for all time. Agreed. Um, yeah. And then yeah. the tour goes on to, and then Sloan won the women's. It was all American. Although I do want to say just Cuba shout Stan. out. Because I really do feel, as I've gotten more more time in a way, and I know that her ranking is not that great or whatever, but I really feel that, like, people kind of dogged Ostapenko's 2018 I more than they should have. Like, she completely made the final agree. in Miami. She made a semifinal in Wimbledon. Like, following up off of a season, you know, obviously where she had, like, tons and tons of pressure. Like, I, I respect what Yelena Ostapenko did this year. And so that final in Miami I thought was legit. Absolutely. In 2016, if you had said, oh, she'll finish 2018, it's ranked like what, like 20 or something? Like, it'd be great. Yeah. Like, you know, she's not, it was not a fall off. And I, I said that about 2017 with her. 
like the most underrated thing in 2017 was everything Ostapenko did after the French Open. Right. That she really didn't collapse. That she made a Wimbledon quarter. That she won Seoul. That she just had a respectable fall and got into Singapore. Um, that was it. Was yeah. So I think that her and the tennis she plays is wild, <laughs> for sure. Um, it's gonna be but, hot cold. Yeah, it's know? gonna be hot cold. But the fact that it averaged out to something um oh. pretty pretty solid was good and also the run in rome where basically maria had to break oh, yeah. her leg off in order to <laughs> to finally right. get that win but that was one of the best i mean one of the most compelling matches of the year totally. was that that uh, what was it quarterfinal yeah quarterfinal um, really quarterfinal good rome three sets like lengthy lung busting one and it basically that match like knocked Ostapenko out until Wimbledon because she, she hurt her leg yeah. and she couldn't do much and so and then she lost first round at the French Open and she was in tears and um yeah it was a whole thing but but um it wasn't it wasn't that bad of a year for her that was Sharapova's best match of 2018 by far that was the best tournament too yeah I mean she played Halep on I mean she was gassed when she played Halep yeah um in the in the semi and yet still it was a three setter and it, you weren't really sure if Halep was going to get it done um yeah. but that was that was the best tournament for sure that that maria played and and yes i agree with you that was that was the best match she played was yeah. against was, that was that was kind of the one good stretch sherpa had this year was that rome through well first madrid too Open. i mean madrid, madrid she was pretty yeah. good until she lost to burton's um which as in retrospect doesn't seem that bad yeah um yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. I mean, that and then losing to Halep. So losing to Burton's in Madrid, losing to Halep in Rome, and then losing to Muguruza in uh, in Paris. That was a good stretch for her. Uh, anything from Charleston? I don't – I was in Charleston. I don't remember a ton of it. This is when my notebook starts to go blank. Yeah, well, we were playing a lot of Undercooked. We were oh that's right we were there was, there was a, lot, a lot of rain, rain. there was a lot of rain there was, right. a, so we, there was rain. a lot of rain in Charleston yeah we started playing un, uh, over overcooked overcooked right? sorry overcooked. yeah <laughs> undercooked undercooked um, yeah no but we played over overcooked which was a lot of fun we had that remember we ordered a pizza it took like three hours to show up and he was really unhappy <laughs> yeah and he like went to the wrong hotel several times and acted like it was our fault it was the um, whole thing. it was it was unimpressive um, both the pizza, the pizza and the delivery <laughs> yeah. all <laughs> in of equal it, yeah. parts. <laughs> Um, um, Kiki won that tournament though, uh, being coached by Elise Tamaela, so that was all cool. Um, my next tournament then, I guess you went to Stuttgart, but I remember I went to the Estoril final, because I was there oh, for gosh, Eurovision yeah. in, in Lisbon, and saw Joao Sosa win his, uh, first eight, first, the first ever time a Portuguese guy won a tournament in Portugal on ATP. And it was like a big old holiday there. That was kind of a cool, we like Joao very Sousa. random, very random thing um that i just I, I was like it's really weird that i'm here for this but okay cool yeah that was cool yeah people do like joss so seems like a nice dude. Cer- cer- certain wta players yeah <laughs> which, which it, no that that's misleading uh, but but they it's unrequited it's i un- guess i don't know you don't know if it's unrequited how dare you i don't know he I should just know be that so lucky ben yeah <laughs> I know he. Sh- I completely agree. I just don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if that note has been slipped in his locker with the "Do you like me too?" Circle yes or no. <laughs> oh, if only. Oh, it's such a coded conversation that nobody except for maybe two people who might listen to this podcast might know. Um, yeah. Well, those two people will be. Yeah. Be but uh, but yeah no so, uh, yeah no Stuttgart was good. Stuttgart was crazy because the Coco's run was nuts. It's also where Caroline Garcia beat Marie Sharapova finally. And that was like mm. a big three set match. It was a big win for Garcia, obviously, and the whole story of obviously her making her 
you know, big splash in a loss to Maria at the French Open mm-hmm. when she was a yeah. teenager and then getting this win. So that was big. But yeah, like Coco rolling past um, uh, Halep was was something and Halep just being like so over it. Like she just really doesn't like the conditions in Stuttgart at all. Like she really doesn't like the clay there. So it's kind of in her head a little bit. So yeah, but she, you know, she got that. She made the the what, quarterfinal, semifinals. Contavite uh, yeah. had a crazy tournament in Stuttgart and that kind of set things up for her season as well. But yeah, no, I mean, Pliskova with her dad. Like I was going to say stands. the dad. That's what I remember of that tournament was the dad being there. She does so well when her dad is at tournaments. She's like won like every tournament when her dad's there. Like he was there in Tokyo and yeah, yeah. Papa Plisko. He's the Plisko whisperer. Yeah. Uh, on to anything from Rome. I remember I wasn't in Madrid. So if you have any Madrid ones, go for it. I did not pay almost any attention to that tournament because I was at Eurovision. Oh my gosh. But, um, remember when Carla Suarez Navarro lit it up. She like totally got the entirety of Arancha Sanchez Vicario court like up on their feet beating and coming back to beat Alina Svitolina in three dramatic sets and it would like when she was done and she it was when she had her big hair and when oh she, and she was wearing the the headband Carla had a good hair year man. she had a really good hair, hair year. year amazing hair yeah. year and she had the, the 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 headband so she was looking real Rambo and um and like by the end of the match like she was covered in clay like covered in it there's just like clay streaks everywhere it was like one of the most badass things ever and she was like super emotional her father was crying it was one of the cooler moments like you know you always want to see players do well on home soil just like not, they don't have to necessarily win the tournament but do something you know that that kind of like gets people up and uh and she definitely had that and then on the flip side it was kasatkina getting a, another win over muguruza this time coming back garbina looked like she had that match in hand and um kind of let it go and uh and kasatkina getting the win and knocking around i think in the second or third round or something like that but mm-hmm. but it was great and i still say that final between kerber and burton's Kvitova Burton's. Sorry, yeah, Kvitova yeah. Burton's. Yeah. For me, a better final than Stevens Halep. Like everybody thinks the Stevens Halep final in in Montreal. in Montreal was the match of the year. I just, I really, I don't know. I really thought that it was Kvitova Burton's, and maybe I have to like go back and rewatch it and and stuff. But um, it was dramatic. It was gutsy. It was gritty. Like. Yeah, it was great. I I loved that match so much. So yeah, that final holds a special place in my heart. I think it makes sense to wrap up. Do split this remember one show in half. Sure. And start and stop our second and stop our first half here. So we're stopping our first half here. Okay. So we're gonna stop here, and we'll be back momentarily. In oh, actually several days because we posted separate parts. So yes, take a break. Remember things, and. Uh, We'll be back. When I'm undressed cool, my parents put up a fight. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And if I'm hot shot, mama cut my hair.